to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. Thank you, Brad. Beth, um, two great songs there um, actually kind of fit in a little bit with kind of the theme. Um, Brad and I usually work together on that quite a bit, but this this week we had a lot going on. We were had to be out of the house, uh, which which our office out of the house, and we put our house up on the market Monday, and literally we had like twenty visits, twenty showings on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And so I just, we're having to be out of the house and then uh, a lot of school stuff going on uh, this week. And so maybe for you guys, your families also, this transition time, we're always, we're a semester family. So we transition with semesters, fall and uh, spring and summer. And so uh, um, I know for most people, they're like, yeah, we used to do that, but now we have things called jobs. And so yours may not fit that way. So ours still works in that. And they're like, yeah, we grew out of that phase. And so we're still in that scenario. And so... Um, uh, this week, I'm looking at this idea. I've been working through some of this stuff for a while. Um, and so um, going into this, I want you to know that there's probably some um, um, things that we're going to, I'm going to bring up some topics and it may be kind of different for you. And the reason I say that is because um, if you've come from a place where um, that maybe it was a, a solid Bible church or a Baptist church or a, a solid Assembly of God church or whatever, Presbyterian, whatever, um, there is an emphasis on, um, hopefully, in the churches we've been a part of, an emphasis on doctrine and on making sure that what we believe and what we um, teach is solid. And it's solid biblically. It's um, Christ-exalting. Um, that it's not just this idea that Christianity is just about me, 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 me. So um, I, I bring up the fact that even these songs, um, that, that song that we sang, um, God actually used that, that second song that we sang there by, um, and I don't even know the guy's name, so I'm a bad guy for not, John, John Michael Comer, Mark, John Martin Comer. And so uh, so, it's, it's, so that's how bad it is. But the thing was, I, I remember coming from a church where that whole idea of he loves us, oh, how he loves just repeating that, um, just, I remember coming from a place and being in a circle where that was a no-no because that was all about you. And so this idea almost of stating that God loves you had become like this no-no. And, and so that was kind of weird for me working through that, you know, but, and then come to this place where any songs that were talking about God's love for us was almost actually kind of, oh, oh, or is our church going that direction? And you're like, why? And so you're just kind of struggling through that. And then my mom gets cancer, moves in with us, terminal cancer. And this song kind of comes out, and of course, David Crowder actually took this song and, and made, you know, he does it at Passion and it turns into you know, millions of views for the other guy who wrote the song actually, like uh, 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 Brad had said, ha- had a whole story behind it. And so I literally remember every single day, I, I, I wouldn't say there's a day out of the week 
that for whatever reason, as you're going through that situation, you see this woman who's, you know, 70, but she's, she's a go-getter. She goes camping by herself because my dad had passed away a long time ago. And so dad's been gone 20-something years. Mom, you're watching her go from healthy, moving about, can go camping, to just becoming just a shell of a body day after day after day after day. And so watching that, and so um, if you haven't experienced that, um, there's this aspect, this weirdness that comes in, and you know, mental health psychology was my undergrad, and so knowing about this aspect of sometimes when people pass away, there's this weird thing, you don't plan on it, but there's this weird abandonment thing that can hit. No one, they didn't abandon you on purpose. It's, it's a natural result of the fall that people pass away. But I never saw myself feeling unloved. And so all of a sudden, your dad's gone, not all of a sudden, for 20 years. Your mom's gone. Your wife and your kids, they love you. And some people around the church, but you have this weird feeling that almost like, picture that, that, that peg, if you've had this big wooden peg and your life is kind of this rubber band that you can kind of go far away from home, but now that rubber band is snapped and there, there's no home. Even though you have a home, so this sounds really weird. If you haven't experienced this, you're probably going, you need pills, thank you. And so, um, but there's this weird abandonment thing. And so God began to use this in the middle of pain and suffering and watching your mom trying to care for a person who is going downhill and downhill and downhill and downhill and watching them and watching your kids gather around, watching Grammy who used to could pick up two of them and you know out, out in the woods taking them camping doing this stuff to them sitting there staring at her. Not how, how do you process that? Not knowing what to do. And so and here's a song that's a no-no that's theologically weak. Because it's about God's love for you. How ridiculous is that, right? And so I remember thinking like, man, and, and, and God used that. Um, just some, some beautiful things there. And so I, I want to bring that up. Um, and that second, and the, the last song that we just sang there, that it's, it's, God's not on a page. And I've been in some places where we almost worship the scriptures, right? And maybe you've been around some places. If we're not careful, we're worshiping a book accidentally. You weren't supposed to worship the book. It's a living person. It's a living God. And so you put those two things together. It's, it's not a page. It's a living God who wants to embrace you. And so that song, when he says that uh, all of a sudden, you know, heaven comes down in this, in, uh, this sloppy wet kiss. And I love how Brad actually uses that version of it instead of, instead of this surprising kiss or whatever the other version. So that's the prodigal God story. That, that's the Luke 15 story of the one who had went away. So we've went through the prodigal God story of the older brother. And so maybe you were the, uh, the younger brother who went away. Maybe you're more the older brother and you're like, man, I, I, maybe I just haven't experienced that. Well, then you should be. You need to think a little, even if you're the older brother that kept all the rules and kept it all together and your family had to do this, you still need that embrace and that sloppy wet kiss. But if you're the one who ran away, so every day I wake up, I'm always that. So just so you don't know that, my thinking, I'm always the one probably going like, I shouldn't be here. Shouldn't, shouldn't be here. Shouldn't get to talk to you. Shouldn't get to talk to you, God. Shouldn't get to pray to you. Um, maybe um, loves much because forgiven so much. And so that sloppy wet kiss, I, I wouldn't have deserved it. And I would have tried to talk my way back. I would have tried to explain. And God had none of it, just like in that story. Just like, no, come here. I'm sitting you at my table. I'm making room for you. I'm pouring out grace on you. And if you just haven't had that, 
or, or maybe you get so caught up in good knowledge and good um, knowledge points about God and good um, theological stances and all those things, and, and it, he becomes a page to you? We've missed it. We're going to be worshiping a person face to face. He didn't want to be known as a page. He wants to be known as a living God. And so even that is, is kind of what we're talking about. And this idea, so this idea of uh, train us for eternity is what I titled it um, for this whole section. So we're going to look at a couple of weeks on knowing yourself. And again, this isn't, that may scare you because you go, uh, you know, I know this. In the Bible, it's not about us, you know, discovering ourselves. We're not going to talk about that. Looking deep inside yourself and discovering life. No, actually, it's your identity in Christ is everything. Your union and identity of Christ is everything. But even though you've been made new, you're a new creation, you're a Christian, you've been forgiven, um, you're in this process of sanctification, the tendency in some of our churches, our circles, our tribes, is we become so theologically rich, so theologically astute, that we have these blind spots that we don't even realize. And so um, I wanted us to think through these things as we look at this true identity. So the first couple of weeks, we're going to look at this faithful and knowing yourself. Lots of scriptures I could go to. I'm just going to go to a couple um, today, and then next week we're going to look at this a little bit more. And I'm going to look at next week a little bit more of the practical application of that. Well, I mean, what I mean by that, do you know whether you're the older brother type or you're the younger brother type? Are you a person, it's kind of like the kids, the oldest kid sometimes is the one who's like, um, I love the rules, um, we need the rules. The middle kid is kind of like, uh, I really don't, I don't understand why the rules are there. And the third one is, you know, the, the, the baby, the family is usually like, rules don't apply to me. And so, do you know what you're like? Do you know whether you're bent more towards um, uh, being a person who's um, very, very extremely disciplined and everything has to be very neat and in a little box? Or are you just kind of free and kind of fluid and flowing, knowing those things about yourself? Um, so we're going to look at that for the next couple of weeks. Then we're going to take a week and look at Sabbath rest. That is not... Sundays, I just get to get into a recliner. That's not talking about uh, I'm being lazy or I'm being uh, loathsome or just just um, just getting to a place where that means that we get to do less and less. But it's actually trusting and resting in the Lord. So we're talking about this idea of Sabbath rest. So all Sabbath rest is just real quickly. God goes six days creation wasn't hard for him by the way, and seventh day I'm looking back and remembering. I'm pausing. And I'm looking and all is good. Wow. All that for me. Wow. Everything's good. Do you get to a, a time, a, a day where you pause and slow down to go, hey God, what you just done this last week, these last two or three days, thank you. It was rough. Had some situations. Had some bad circumstances. But God, you, you've provided for us. Got a bad report. They said, I got this type of cancer. But man, these other 36 years have been glorious, God. Look at the wife you give me. Look at this. You give me a bad report about my parents. God, I look back and I thank you. That's Sabbath rest. And I'm pausing and I'm resting. I'm remembering and I'm resting in this next week. I, I want to strive for godliness, but I can't be more accepted than what Christ has already done for me. I'm resting 
resting completely in the gospel of Christ. I'm resting. I don't have to strive and worry about what you guys think of my family, how good we're doing, if we're good enough Christian, if I'm keeping all the... No, I'm resting in Christ. And again, in our tribe, in our circle sometimes, our churches steep onto us so much, you should, you should, 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 go do this, go do this, go do this, that it's not about resting in Christ. And the opposite of that doesn't mean that we, we, we just say, well, we just don't do anything. No, there's obedience that's expected, but we're resting in what Christ has already done. You're not going to save anyone. But, but you being faithful with the gospel message, that, that's when we're resting and trusting. You're having conversation, praying, resting. God, I'm resting, I'm praying, and I'm watching for what you're doing in this person's life. And then, boom, they begin to have conversations. And it's like, man, this is, what's, this is what I've been asking for. I'm, I'm praying in alignment with your will. I'm resting in you to change this person. So Sabbath rest, beautiful picture. Um, and then the, the, the next thing we're going to go through is about 10 weeks of um, experiencing God. So knowing God, understanding ourselves, resting in our union with Christ, but then understanding the way in which God works around our lives. And sometimes churches don't do a really good job of helping us to understand Monday through Saturday, what does it look like if God begins to work around me? What does that look like? And it may be because you're coming from places that you know expect extreme miracles or extreme um, miraculous things to be happening, and that's the only way God would work. But man, just his faithfulness. We need to realize God is working around us. It may not be what you exactly thought it would look like. So lots of things that, that happen that way. So um, a few weeks ago, Brad was sharing um, and by the way, so this is going to be a, so this is two weeks on this idea of knowing yourself. So there's a long buildup here before we get to the scriptures today. I want to paint the picture because I think some of you have experienced this, we've experienced this, and going forward to sojourn, this idea of knowing yourself, what we've ran into is a whole bunch of people that were theologically astute but didn't know themselves very well. I've been surrounded by some guys who were very clear, let everyone know how, how solid they were and disciplined on their quiet times, 4.30, 5.30, and I'm just this, I'm just a word guy, I'm just a Bible guy, just a word guy. And, and you see them interact with people sometimes, and it's like they're slapping people with the back of their hand. You're like, do you realize that you're not loving at all? You're very rigid and very just very judgmental. Um, you're, you're very um, just just um, hard to be around. And, and so, but you brag about all this spiritual stuff you know, and knowledge points, and knowledge points, and knowledge points, and knowledge points. But man, you're not a very grace oriented person. You're not very patient with people. It's kind of like this. Someone in group would begin to share. Like, we want to create, create this environment in small groups where people feel trust, trusting enough to share something. And if they, they begin to share something, if we're not careful, we just throw a scripture. I'm like, oh, you're, you're struggling with that? Well, you're not supposed to. We're Christians. Well, here's a couple of verses. Memorize that. And then if next week you come back and you share that this week I still struggle with that, well, I guess you're not a believer. Did you not apply the scriptures I told you last week? Did you not memorize those? Man, do you know what you'd be like if God treated you that way? Anyone still struggle with things? And sometimes God reveals more stuff like, I didn't even know I had this pattern going on. And I'm not talking about like pattern of adultery or pattern of stealing money from your, your, your workplace, but I'm talking about the way that you treat people, the way that you interact. And so a lot of times we have people who are theologically solid but not real loving. Don't, don't know how to be loving and graceful. And so um, uh, 
Brad had shared uh, last two or three weeks ago uh, a song that um, had, he'd gone through five years of difficulty and darkness and just feeling like God was very absent and God was very um, distant because of the loss of a son. So you may think, well, that would be sad if that happens to us. But, you know, just take that step and that God would be there for us and that would be okay. God may go, oh, I'm going to take my thumb and I'm going to hold you down. I'm going to hold you down. And you're going to feel like, how could God love me in this? Why would you allow this to happen? And then something worse happens in the middle of it. And so God's allowing those things or doing those things sometimes to help us to see something more about himself. Um, and Brad had talked about that. And so we're singing the song, and Brad used that story to bring out this song. Um, and in the back, the Whitleys, they're two little girls, and they're just a heathen family already. And so the two little, two little girls are spinning, dancing, and so there's this new song. And so I'm sitting back there, and I'm hearing Brad's story. I've got tears running down my face. I don't know the song, um, and, and, and he's explaining it. And so a guy's talking about this roughest time of his life, five years of not chosen sin, but God's path for him. And, and here's two little girls back there spinning and dancing. And then Brad's telling, and all of that because God was coming to embrace me in a different way, a new way. That's a beautiful picture of God. So what if we didn't have that story? Well, is this song appropriate? And so what I'm afraid of is, is in our circle sometimes, and the, the places I've been around and people I've been around, we're, we're not coming and worshiping God freely, openly, we're so worried about like if at one sentence, like, well, what did that mean? And we're, we're kind of judging like we're, it's American Idol. And like I, I, I heard that the guy who wrote this song, the author, he, he goes to so-and-so church. And his background, he had some sin in his background. And so I, it's like, I'm going to abstain from worshiping to this song, or we can't use this song because I know something about that author. Well, when you become perfect and you start writing worship songs, maybe we'll use yours. And so, we, so, yes, we want to make sure that our songs are biblically accurate, but if it's hindering us to where every time we're just more like, well, what's this? Hold it, hold it. This is not talking about blood. It's not talking about the cross. There wasn't word. In fact, it said, God loves us. Oh, this is just me-centered worship. I guess we've been off the slippery slope. Guys, if we're, if we're that scared, we're living in fear. We're not living in enjoyment of God so if we start doing five songs out of five that are just me, 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 you're going to get rich, 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 and no, no sickness, no sickness, just health, 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 prosperity, wealth, and that's five out of five for like eight weeks, you may want to raise your hand and go, hey, I've got some, some concerns here. Could I talk to someone? If we drop the gospel, but, but we're a place who hits hard every single week on here's Jesus Christ, you just staring and gazing at him. Here's beholding Christ. That's your only hope. In fact, I, I hit hard on, stop trying to be so strong. You're actually a lot weaker than you actually imagine. Every week trying to bring out this theme that God made clearer for our church about re re repentance that we need every single week. We need repentance. We need confession. We need conviction from the Lord. And that's the only way that we get renewal. That's the only thing. And everyone in Tulsa wants renewal and, and um, uh, uh, rejoicing, but you don't get renewal and rejoicing except through the path of conviction, of repentance and confession. That, those are beautiful things. And so um, as we go through this, I completely understand um, the nature of, and then the need, the necessity of having solid teaching 
uh, solid worship, solid songs, uh, centered on the gospel, biblically based, Christ exalting. So 10 years at Southern, every you know, six, six or seven books in each class, and all of our papers just meticulously looked at, and every single thing. So, so 10 years at Southern. So you're not going to come out of there with a weird, funky um, you know, thing. Maybe one guy did. And he's got a big church out on the East Coast. But, but if we're not aware of all of these um, check boxes and man-made evaluations, we live our Christian life in fear instead of enjoyment of God. Um, if we're so unaware of ourselves, so, so guarded and stifling and rigid, you're not going to enjoy God. You're just going to be worried about whether you're comparing with the boxes of the people around you. Are you keeping all the list? And so, and, and that maybe, maybe I'm just the only one who's gone through that, but Jamie and I have went through years and years and years of that. Some of you have grown up in homes like that where you'd say, man, that was kind of my family of origin. So I, I want to, I do want to do this. I want to commend and thank you because I don't hear those texts. I don't get texts like, hey, why did we do that one song? There's this one song that we did, like, you should be able to be a little patient with that. You know, if it comes, that's the only song. So I thank you that you're not that kind of crowd. But I want us to be a little bit different in that, where, we're, where we are free. I want us to, as we go through these next few weeks, to, to actually do this. Here in Bible churches, Baptist churches, our charismatic friends have a huge expectation on what God's doing, right? I mean, even right now, like, let's all just levitate. You know, like, let's believe God that we can just levitate and fly off the ground. And we're like, that's crazy. Or we, we, you don't have to have, you know, Brad or Beth playing the, 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 the tambourine over there and the keyboard, ooh, and it just gets higher and oh, just getting chill bumps. And, it, and so that's not what we're asking, right? But sometimes, you know what? To be honest, your prayer time probably reveals how much you're expecting God to work in your life. Your prayer time and devotion with him is probably revealing how much you think that you actually get to sit face-to-face alone with the creator of the universe. Because if that's not happening and that's not a joy, then, then there's some sort of misunderstanding about this is the creator of the universe. And then also, am I expecting him to do his work of redemptive progress? Is, is he doing his redemptive plan around my life? And to be honest, sometimes in our churches, we want solid theological knowledge. We want knowledge points. Um, and, but we don't really expect very much of God to do anything. And I want us to expect God to change people, to change us first, to change our hearts, to soften our hearts, to make us a loving, welcoming, um, diverse people that have people with different stances on stuff, not unbiblical, but in the realm of complete orthodoxy, and we love them just the same um, of, of people that, that have our stances. And so that's what we want to move towards. So I wanted us to go through this to, to be a people aware of our blind spots, um, not theological blind spots necessarily, but just are we unloving? Are we rigid? I wanted to help us think through this idea of Sabbath rest. I also wanted us not to be afraid of emotions and feeling to where we're not thinking sticks. So sometimes in our circles, we're theological thinking sticks. And, it, and for some people, to be honest, very, very kind of afraid of and also skeptical of any emotions that would come. So I want you just to have to kind of shake that off and just kind of be okay. I'm not asking for you to change. Like the, the, the answer for you is to you know, be the person running around with streamers every Sunday and, and just getting crazy and just doing all kinds of stuff. I'm just saying, don't, don't be afraid if the Holy Spirit begins to open you up to something more than just linear logic points. 
You, you should, because he, he'll take you to places that, that, that you should have. God has a full range of emotions. The Bible reveals to us a God who has a full range of emotions, that the Bible authors have full range of emotions, so you don't have to look down on anyone who shows emotion. And so sometimes we've been in churches where if it's not just theological points and logic, if, if there's any emotion, that's really looked down on in our circles. And I want you to know that that's, that's not biblical. Um, and then the, this idea of um, experiencing God to a greater degree. So all of those things, I think many believers have went through those things. I, I want us to look at this First uh, Timothy, uh, it's chapter 4. Um, and uh, as we've been moving and loading up more stuff this week, I realized I took my big Bible that I use up here out. And so this is, you know, the, the font. I'm getting to that age where, um, and there's no good optometrist in town. And so I'm getting to that age where um, trying to read on my phone at a certain time of day. So 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to start in, in verses six, 15 and 16. And we're going to go back and cover a little bit of the context. So this is going to be a little bit different. So we usually teach through books. And so we're going for 10 or 12 weeks here of doing, and, and so just to, just to give you a heads up, another thing here, you, you may not know this, but even if you're not doing a book, if you do a topical uh, sermon series, six weeks, eight weeks on prayer, you can do that exegetically. That, that's still exegetical sermon. So you, you, you pick a chair passage on that, and then you exegete that passage. And so we're going to go kind of deep into this, maybe on First Timothy 4 here, um, this week and maybe a little bit next week. So, um, But I just want you to know, we're going into this to, to see what he's saying here. Verse 15 and 16, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so that's actually the NIV version. So I want to read um, the ESV also. So, and in fact, we got a couple of these on the, 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 the slides over here. So I want you to, and the reason I want you to see this, a couple of reasons. First of all, um, that it's okay. These are all saying the same thing and they're wording it a little bit different. And there's a purpose in that. Um, ESV, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you that um, you are a living person, a triune God. You're not pages. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The second person of the Trinity is a living Savior, a Messiah Redeemer. Father, your plan of redemption has stretched out to us in a, in a way of grace, unmerited favor that we could never be good enough, we would never choose you, we would never choose to pursue you, and yet you still have poured out and lavished grace upon us, up to the point where you made your grace completely irresistible, and then we ran towards you seeing the beauty of forgiveness, the beauty of salvation. And so we thank you for that. And we ask for you to help us to understand beyond those points in this life of sanctification, this progress of maturity, would you help us to grow in our understanding of ourself this morning so that it will lead to, as we see here, the potential for salvation for others and salvation for ourselves. It will lead to maturity and it will lead to salvation, God. Help us to see the connection of that. In your name we pray, amen. Um, so, um, English Standard Version. 
then we see uh, the New, Amer- New American, so NASB. Both of those um, on a pendulum. Um, there's a huge pendulum as far as um, uh, different um, versions of the Bible. And so, again, let me use this as an example. In our circles, you may have been at a church where all of a sudden that church said, John Piper said, this is the new version and this is the only one to use. John MacArthur, or who name the guy that says, hey, this is this. The Baptist kind of picked up the, the Holman Christian Standard Version or whatever that one was. And so um, the idea, of the, the reason that people have the different stances is certain versions go away from, so when you take their original Greek um, and then you go word for word, they want to use an English word that is as close as that original word in the Greek. So it's word for word. So like, an, so that's a, I'll tell you, a New King James Version, an NASB an ESV, uh, I think the Holman's real, really close on that. Um, I think the Berean is a little bit, pretty, it's pretty close there. Now, that's word for word on versions. If you want to go now thought for thought, idea for idea, uh, then the NIV and some of those. Now, if you want to kind of expand on that and go further away from word for word, the original, um, it may beautify it and it kind of the language is a little more full, but it, it gets away to where it's not word for word, and it's not just thought for thought. Now it's kind of, I'm kind of embellishing and kind of adding to it. So you've got New Living Translation. You've got the message. You've got the Amplified Bible. Still fine, still fine Bibles, okay? So, so you may have come from a place where, oh my gosh, if you ever read those, that's just ridiculous. So today we're reading from a couple of those even. And guess what? Fire from heaven's not coming down. No, uh, there's not demons attacking us for reading those. But the point is, we're okay. And the point is, all these are saying the same thing. So I wanted to do this to show that this is, and no matter what version you look at, this is saying the same thing. Look at the New Living Translation. Um, Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Notice the wording, throw yourself into these tasks. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Uh, the, The NIV, which I read a while ago, be diligent in these matters. Watch your life and doctrine closely. So I want you to see there, there's this connection in every one of those, no matter which version we use, even ones that may, maybe you've been taught were horrible, they're saying the same thing. If you're studying the scriptures, the scripture should be leading you to a certain practical outworking. And, and like I said earlier, sometimes that's not happening. You may have been in a family growing up. You may have been in a church where instead of uh, the scriptures leading us to a certain flowing outworking, um, and practical outworking, it was, you no, know, the scriptures lead us to everyone get in line. It has to look like conformity to this Christian culture. Our church, everyone does this. Small group. You're sitting there and some family comes up. They've come and visited for a while. They've been coming for four or five months. They've got some little kids, and they're so excited. They found, found this church. It's real real nice and everything, and they teach it solid. And, and, and now little daughter has a, a nine-year-old birthday party. And so everyone in small group, hey, we're having a, nine, a nine-year-old's birthday party, and everyone's welcome to spend the night. Oh, God, they're going to hell. This family is so satanic, so horrific, they don't know that we, in our church culture, we don't do sleepovers. 
and the other nine stand there. Now, now so, so just so you know, the lynches, we didn't do sleepovers at that age either. But, but if we create a culture to where everyone does that, to where they get the hint, and that family now won't come back, or they feel like they're so unspiritual and ungodly and heretical and satanic because they just felt like it's fine doing sleepovers. And so that, and don't, don't take sleepovers as the big deal. So this can go to a million different things, and we're going to see some examples of that. But do you see what happens? We've created, we've added to the Bible because the Bible doesn't give us explicit teaching on the rules of sleepovers, right? Some of you have little kids. Neither does it give you explicit teaching on the correct age, the biblical God-glorifying age to let your kid have a phone. And oh my gosh, if you're having kids, it's going to come about. Uh, And our kids, we were in Bigsby at the time, nine out of 10 kids at Bigsby all had phones in first grade. Ours get it in like seventh. That's a lot of years, a lot of days for everyone, every kid around them. And hey, and Bigsby, guess what? The kids, they could throw their $1,000 phone down and daddy buys them another one tomorrow sometimes. So it's like, oh yeah, we, we played polo with, with my friend's phone. Oh, his dad's buying him a new one tomorrow. And so here are kids, we got to wait five more years to even get one. And so just, that, that's just one. So, and, and, and you can be just as godly just as loved by God if you give a seven-year-old a phone or if you give a 10-year-old or a 16-year-old. That, that's your family's choice. What we don't want to do is create a culture where you know, the biblical rule is it's only 18 or the biblical rule is it, it's six. That's the wise thing to do. And so we don't want to create this conformity to a culture because then what happens is we've got this self-righteousness and we're not aware of it. It's, we're not, this is this knowing yourself well. And so notice what he says there, be diligent on these matters. Um, let me read, let me read, let me read the ESV that we had up there. Um, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. How is the teaching applying in your life? Is it to where in our small group, we can have people that let some people go, Hey, you know, um, we're letting sleepovers happen at six years old, and there's four or five of them. And then there's a lady who goes, man, I was abused repeatedly at six, seven, eight, nine years old. I'm not going to let my kids sleep over. You, you going to tell her that she's wrong? No. Are, are you going to love them just the same? So I was the guy taking my boys to parties with 12 little boys, and, and 11 little boys all get to spend the night, and... I was like, yeah, we'll be back at 10 to pick them up. And of course, your kid's like, dad, 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 can I stay? Can I stay? All these friends are here. And so, so guess what we got judged as? Are you an idiot? You're so rigid. You're such a helicopter parent. Do you think I'm going to touch your kid? I literally had a guy one time just like, I, I was kind of just trying to start conversations. And you know, I, I didn't realize that all these kids were spending the night. So I was like, yeah, my MDiv, like it is 96 hour degree. And like, I had to read, like I had four different classes and probably 28 different books that brought up these statistics and all the things that can happen. And then just in my own life. And then a lot of friends, I've, I've counseled a lot of men, a lot of women and all that. And, he, and he's just sitting there staring at me like, you think I'm touching your kid? And I'm you know, and just like, uh, I'll be back in a little bit. You, know, you, don't, you don't know how to get out of that. And so that, 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 that's just a simple stance. But if, I'm not, if you're not careful, if you proudly do it, and you do it in a way where um, you're like, oh, here's how it usually comes across. Oh, we, we would not do sleepovers. Uh, 
or we do not let our kid do this. We do not let our kid do this. It was kind of hurtful a couple of weeks ago. There was a family around us that, that you know, our, sometimes we've let our boys go to uh, Sky Zone. Sky Zone, so to, to go to this one place. And so, and then we didn't know for a while that, oh man, it, it, it can get pretty rough and stuff. And Jamie got the kind of the, the backhanded slap of like, oh, you let your kids go to Sky Zone? So they won't be coming to church here. And so, uh, they, you know, just a family around, just letting us know, like, we didn't have that memo. And, and that's, a, that's a fine approach to say, oh, we're not going to do that, right? We're not, they're not bad because they have that stance. So the idea is not you're, you're, you're bad or ungodly if you have these stances. It's how that comes across. You should have the freedom, and we, you should have the freedom to have different stances on these things. And what I've seen, we've been in churches where if you're not, agreeing with us on this, on every single one of these freedom areas where there's 10 options, if it's not just one option, then you're, you're just ungodly. You're unbiblical. So let, let's look at that, what that looks like, this, um, these um, stances. I've got, a, I've got a slide up there, Michael, that's got the, uh, the slide of the, um, the different options there. So some of you guys have seen this. It's the one that's got the, the grid up there. Um, it's got the uh, little grid with movies. There you go. Pay close attention to yourself, how you live out your doctrines. So movies. What are your kids allowed to go to? G, PG, PG-13, PG-17, R. Anyone grow up? And so my deal was like, we could not have Hell's Box Office in my house growing up. That was my mom's term for HBO was Hell's Box Office. So understandably, uh, so HBO, right? Well, now, if you have kids, guess what? They can probably have HBO on their phone as an app, right? Or the 30 kids sitting around them have it anyway. So I remember the first time that we started having kids over, and our kids didn't have phones, and oh my gosh, one of the kids comes over and sits down. He had a phone or something, and, and Jamie and I were just like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And so and sure, all three boys, I mean, they're up on the couch, like laying over each other just to be able to stare, and he's just playing some little game. That's how powerful these devices are. Is the device evil? No. Evil's in your, your kid's heart. Evil's in your heart. Sin is in our hearts, right? So there's lots of sinful things out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that these are just completely evil. That's your choice, whether whatever age that is. We held off for uh, quite a while. We fought the culture, fought our kids, all this stuff. Everyone in churches and everything and held off for like five or six years longer than everyone. And still some people in some churches, they, they would still go, oh man, I can't believe you're so liberal that you're letting this dangerous device come into your kids' hands at this age. And then other people are like, you're a beaut- We almost called DHS on you guys. Every second grader has to have, we had family members that were confronting us going, it's almost abusive that you don't let um, second graders have these. And our boys are like, yes, call DHS, you know? And so uh, that, that's the things. Those are, those are just little aspects. Um, dancing. You're going to let your daughter, son dance? It wasn't that long ago when that was looked at as a horrible thing, Right. Um, and we may kind of, so here, here's what's neat about this list is we may look at like, that's ridiculous. Does, has anyone really considered that bad? Oh yeah. And so, but, but the one hot button on this list that you, you're like, oh, well, of course, this is ridiculous. Everyone has to have this one stance. So we're, we're kind of free on c- certain ones. And then on other ones, if it's a hot topic for our family, um, secular music, I can't tell you 
So we're a pastor's family. Uh, we're, we're pitiful pastor's family, but anyway, we're a pastor's family. And so we don't like try, I don't try to introduce them to like Tupac and Metallica and stuff like that, but Jamie and I were raised with. But, but in that, um, I was Metallica, she was Tupac. And so just so you'll know, so I'm a little bit more holy than her. And so um, in, in that, we had friends, neighbors, who their, their parents' stance was no secular music. So what was funny, though, when we had these two or three kids come over, if, if our kids played some, because the kids, what do they want to do when they got to our house? Oh, my gosh. Let's turn on, you know, whatever, YouTube. And, and they knew every word to every single song. Sometimes our kids, who, you know, because Jamie would put on 106.9 or something. Y'all can pray for her and talk to her later. About. But on the way home from school, um, she, she, they'd put on 106.9 and different things. And so they would know, and these kids, like, it was like they were, you know, like uh, addicts just, just dying to hear this. So, so secular music, you're going to have to have a stance on that. Can you hold your stance without judging another family that's in your church or Christian that has a different stance than you? Can you hold your stance without being self-righteous and judgmental towards them because they have a different stance and they have a freedom? The Bible doesn't say no 106.9 or 104.5 or whatever the, the cessation is. Silly ones that we have landed on, King James Version only. Y'all probably been around some people that know King James only, right? And the rest of us go like, it's going to be okay. The rest of us are still going to get saved by Jesus on the cross, not by which version. And you don't even want to go start studying why it turned into the King James Version back in the 1600s. And so um, ESV only, Holman only. So just, just know it's okay. Um, formula or breastfeeding? Man, we had no idea. You have your first baby, and all of a sudden three or four moms, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're having a problem. And having a little problem, so I'm just going to do, and you know, some family members are like, oh, you should only do formula. It's so much easier. And then it's like this whole crowd of people that like, number one, your child probably will not have a chance of salvation. They will be incredibly unhealthy. They will get cancer at two if you don't do this. And there's, there's crowds like that. So it's this, this man, this, this is extreme. And again, you're going into it clueless. Um, uh, sleepovers, I already mentioned that one. Phones and age, casino. I remember Jamie, one of Jamie's friends, they had this huge get-together. I think it was her whole class, and they had out the casino. And so we're just standing in the casino, and this guy walks up to me real loud, and there's you know, 10 people standing, and he's like, hey, you're a pastor. What you doing in here gambling? And I, we're just standing around. You know, and I literally thought, oh, my gosh, like people are judging me as you're a fake hypocritical pastor because we're just standing you know, in Toby Keith's casino or something. So is it wrong for you to go into a casino? Is it wrong for you to... Uh, spend a dollar, 20, 100, 1,000, 5,000. Do you see what I'm saying? So where, where's the line? Or is it no, just blank slate? You would never enter into that place. That, that's your freedom, right? Um, cigarettes are pitiful, aren't they? But a whole bunch of theological guys really like cigars. That's kind of cool. Cigars and whiskey are okay. Cigarettes are satanic. I didn't mean it's cool. I mean, it's a, it's a cool distinction. Like, why is this all right? Hey, a lot of times in the church crowd, if someone smokes cigarettes, that's horrible, right? But do you enjoy a double quarter pounder with cheese, 64 ounce Mountain Dew, two large fries? Because I could put that down in like four minutes and, and look at me. Like, I, I could use some weight loss. And so gluttony in the church, completely accepted. You can be a leader here. Um, you smoke a cigarette? 
So do you see, so, and, and please, when I do these with college students all these years, I would always have people be like, it sounds like you're telling us we all need to go smoke. That's not the point. I'm, I'm not making an argument for, um, against breastfeeding. I'm not making an argument for cigarettes. I'm not making an argument for, for vodka. I'm not making an argument against alcohol. What I'm saying is know yourself in the way that the Bible is interpreted by your family and what stance you land on, the practical outworking that you come to. If it leads to self-righteousness, a judgmental attitude, a critical spirit, all the way to, let's go to the ones, uh, music genres, worship songs, to where you're in the church going, hmm, I'm not going to sing this because I think I heard this guy may have cheated on his wife back in 1999. I'm glorifying you, God. I'm not going to sing along with this. God's bigger than that. And so if we've been in these places where um, we just have these rigid boxes, we've missed it, guys. And so what you're doing is you're worried about people in groups. You're worried about what they're doing. You're worried about what they're driving. You're worried about what, what their family's doing. And it's, it's not being aware of yourself. And again, we're just self-righteous. And I've been around people who were, they, they would kill all of us in their, their Bible times or their devotional times or, or their knowledge on certain things. So like God to them was just knowledge points. And we don't want to be that. In all these, you have the freedom to still be fully obedient to God, to live biblically and have different stances on a pendulum. Um, in each of those, the Bible doesn't give us an exact prescription on those areas where our culture have provided different options. Now, now again, when I bring these things up, people walk away going, so are you saying we shouldn't ever have any rules? Are you saying we shouldn't strive for obedience? Are you saying, it sounds like you're saying that, that no, that's not it at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. There is obvious, the givens are always there. The scriptural mandate is always there. So, so when you bring up this thing, um, like um, there, there's different things on there. Um, if you look at, the obvious commands about immorality, um, being inebriated, um, commands telling us to perform certain duties that we're supposed to do for the well-being of others, for the spiritual growth. But we need to fight the temptation to always be so fearful and worried about ourselves and others that, 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 um, that we have this tight, tight rope and Christianity has become this, this list. And if, if I get the correct list or I'm in the church where we all have the correct list, then we're so much more godly than others. A couple of weeks ago, we had some people visiting, and they'd been from a church here in Tulsa known as being one of the most solid Bible-teaching places. And it was just funny. They're in their 60s now, and they literally just, I was like, oh. And they were telling me about their background, all this stuff, and they, would, they wouldn't give the name out even. And they, they were sitting there saying, like, oh, man, at this point in Tulsa, everyone that wanted to do this type of child's education, everyone just went to this one church. And then so everyone had the same stance on their children's education uh, because the, the, the concerns with Tulsa schools and these things. And so, but then it went beyond that. And so now here they're in their 60s. Their four grown children have had to work through in their faith and have talks with their mom and dad about why did we do that? And they're just like, hey, I'm sorry, that was a crazy rule. So what they learned is not only was it about school and all of us getting on this little thin, narrow line, now... It also was a, a hundred different other things that are not biblical, but they are beyond biblical that, that, that you had to agree with and line up on. And again, I'm not making the point that you have the, the right and the freedom to have one of those stances on those things. That, that's not the point. The point is, if we become a culture where 
two families allow sleepovers. Or this family lets their kid have, you know, whatever at, at seven years old, but this family at 15, that, that we're not divisive and we can still love each other just the same. I think that's what God wants for us. Um, I remember when, when we had our arguments about the phone thing and our boys were just dying for phones and there was a, there was a kid around us and the parents had had a horrible situation. Um, the, the grandparents had died. The, the parents had went through a divorce and now the kid was, there's many times of the day where the kid was sitting somewhere um, with no adults around them and, and they had to pick up their, their finances and different things. Um, didn't allow for them to stay at home with them. And so this child was at a place for sometimes 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I think that's a wise thing to go, hey, for this little seven-year-old girl, I think it's okay and wise and not satanic to let her have a phone. I would want her to be able to communicate if something happens or if we're running late. I don't think that's satanic. But if we just go, oh, foul people, well, you've made some obviously bad choices in your life. That's not what we want to be like. So thinking through those um, this critical spirit is so damaging, it creates a fear zone where people are so much more concerned about meeting up to the conformity of the church culture around them than they are enjoying God. And I want us to begin to just, just take babies. So if, if you're going like, Sankey, this is scary, this sounds like a slippery slope, just, just for this summer even, just taking some baby steps. Just like, this is freedom. This is, we read the NLT today, New Living Train, and no one exploded. We, 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 we talked about things that just no one had satanic experiences because of that. It's okay. Just take a breath. Some of you may be going like, I didn't know about any of these little preferential things. Like, I didn't know that people were judging me for having a new living translation. Like, I love so-and-so's, you know, worship, whatever it is. You know, like, I love this worship, and I didn't even know people had things against it. So be blessed. You, you just be thankful that you're oblivious to it. I wish I could be in some areas. I hate when someone comes up to me, whether it was in seminary or another pastor, and like, you heard about so-and-so, didn't you? And you're like, oh, here's no other, other whole category that we, uh, we have to keep off limits, you know. And so um, in that, I want us to become a place where we're not afraid of those things, where, where maybe it's freedom for you. Along with that, in closing, if you have been, like us, um, around places where that was kind of heaped onto you, it was probably hurtful. You may do, you may, it may be your parents. It may be your, your former churches. You may need to ask the Lord for forgiveness that you don't have inside of you to go, let me forgive. That was a rigid bunch of crap. Like this couple, they, they were embarrassed and laughing about all the rules. They thought there was just one line on kids' education. After they got to this place, they found there was a hundred rules that you had to just keep on backing up and getting in line, and everyone was conforming to this one look. And they realized later, like, oh, there's people that were loving God wonderfully by sending their kids to these other avenues and by not sticking to the, the hundred list of rules that we had. So um, you may need to forgive you may need to go to the Lord this morning as Brad comes up and to just go, man, I, I think I need to just ask for some, not forgiveness for myself, that may be true also, but God, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated and angry about the way my parents did this. I'm frustrated and angry about that, that church. I'm frustrated about those church leaders that heap this on our family. Um, man, I, I, I need forgiveness and I need love and I want to experience more. And so there's this deep breath in and that he can provide that for you. Um, for others, um, it may be that 
Um, possibly you're one who just, man, you, you do kind of know yourself and you know that you're a little rigid on that and you just, you know, you, 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 the experience of grace sounds so, so wonderful and beautiful, but man, you just keep going back to that, that little pole. What's, this is what's safe. This is what's safe. Maybe fear's driving that. You need to ask the Lord. That's why we're going to talk in a couple of weeks about resting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, not being afraid of grace. Uh, he may lead you to do things that you thought you would never do. Not, not sin at all, but just a different avenue for your family. And so um, as, we, as we go into that, I hope that that's bringing freedom, not freedom to go on a slippery slope. And again, for some people, you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds like our, our pastors always told us if people start talking about this, this is the way it goes. You're, 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 you're going to see, we're, we're not going to get away from the gospel. This is actually closer to the gospel. So when you see those verses that we looked at earlier, if you notice the warnings that come out in the first part of the section where it talks about this, this, this idea of there's apostasy, there's false teachers, and they were breaking the rules, and we'll look at that a little bit more next week in that section of chapter 4, uh, 1 through 5 or 6, um, that they were, it was actually they were being led astray not by licentiousness, not by rebellious disobedience. Go and look at 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. It was actually... They were adding lists to the Bible. They were adding rules, certain dietary laws. They were adding marriage rules, adding lists. And that, he said, that in that, people were falling away because it was not the true gospel. You get to the end in 15 and 16, what does he say? If you're aware of yourself and your doctrine, you're going to be able to see that this will lead to salvation for yourself and for others, not you keeping a list, but actually it's going to prove out that you have the true faith. You have the true gospel that you're holding to. You're resting in Christ, not in these things I warned you about in verses one through five, lists that are beyond scripture. And so it's a beautiful picture there. People that were trying to pursue the most godly avenue, and Paul's going, they're leading people astray. But if you're resting in Christ here and aware of yourself and how your doctrines play out, Actually, that leads to salvation. It is proving to produce the fruit of salvation in your life and in others. So that's what kind of place we want to be. Um, as Brad comes up, I want to give you time to um, um, prepare for the Lord's Supper. If you're a person who comes in going, man, I think that I need growth in this area of self-awareness, knowing how you come across to others, Ask for the Spirit's guidance first. Truly spend some time praying about that, but also um, ask for some people's help. Um, when Jamie and I went through assessment at uh, Harbor Network, um, they said, man, theologically, missionally, here are these things, relationally, good strengths. Planting is going to crush you. It's going to get really tough, and when it starts getting really hard, here's a question you need to ask people. How are you experiencing me? Is that a great one? So Jamie and I throw that at each other sometimes if you get in a little argument like, hey, how are you experiencing me? You should ask me right now how I'm experiencing you. And so how are you experiencing me? Man, that's kind of scary to ask people, isn't it? Do you view me this certain way? And so think through that. Um, you may need to ask other people. Um, don't have to be defensive. Just take it and listen. Spend some time with the Holy Spirit. Am I, am I kind of bent that way? And we're going to talk next, next week about the ways that we're kind of naturally prone and bent. So as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, um, I want to give you time just to think through. This is a lot. It's kind of a big, uh, uh, messy um, plate of spaghetti that I just kind of placed out there. And now for you to think through, I hope 
that at least it may, may help you to open your eyes and see, okay, so if I had some jacked up feelings about some of those places, maybe not all that was correct. Maybe even my family of origin. If your kids know that your parents, they're, they're trying to lead you towards Christ. And so when they are trying to put out rules for you, it's for your very good. It's not just to keep you from having fun. That's not what God does either. Not just to keep you from having the fun of all this sin. It's no, the most loving thing I can do is the best I can offer you as parents, as fallible human parents. The best I can do is trying to point you to Christ. And some of these things are cliffs that you'll fall off and destroy you. And so we're saying, you've got to stay in these bounds. And so that's difficult because your heart's going to want to jump that track. So um, take some time, examine your heart where your heart's at this morning as we go to the Lord's Supper. If you're visiting with us, we practice open communion where you're free to join with us in communion to take part of the Lord's Supper. We always want to be doing it in a way where we're celebrating, but we're also sobered by what's going on to where if I have patterned sin going on in my life, um, that maybe I need to just take this week and not participate, but spend some time with the Lord um, asking for forgiveness, uh, repenting. If you're not a believer, if you're a young child or if you're a person that's not a believer yet, we say do not partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, There are some dangerous warnings that come with that. Uh, We want to guard the table. We say instead, have you received Christ first? Have you understood what we're celebrating and the the body broken and the blood of Christ being spilled out in your place, that double substitution? Have you understood that? And so are you in love with him for that? Partake of Christ first um, and abstain from the table. So let me pray, and I'll give you a couple moments to pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for um, loving us enough to have us to look at ourselves, not in some self-seeking, navel-gazing, um, predominant thought, but, but to be aware of how our practical application of doctrines may lead us away from Christ. They may lead us to a man-made self-righteousness, a list of rules that's not the gospel at all. Would you free us from that, our proneness to that, the security, uh, the control that seems like it would come from that? Would you help us to rest in you? Would you help us to see that about ourselves? As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, would you do some work in our hearts? You guys take a few moments and just examine your heart.